Hi, everyone. Welcome to Basic Binges, part of Knob Talk Network. On this show, we review popular shows that are out now while eating and drinking our favorite snack and drink. I'm your host, Eric Ramirez, and right now I am enjoying a lovely Blue Moon because they're delicious. And I had a Halloween party this weekend, so I'm eating the leftover candy because we had a lot. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to introduce to you our guests for our lovely show. Our journey has come to an end. Uh, Jordan and Julia. Jordan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jordan Orozco, um, and I have, this is bittersweet for me because I'm so sad it ended. I loved uh, being a part of this adventure. Um, right now, I'm having a lovely little Mai Tai in my little Yeti, and then I made some stovetop mac and cheese, so I'm just kind of like chomping on that. Ooh, lovely, lovely. Um, and then go, Julie, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody out there. Oh, yes. Hello, I'm Julie Raylan. And uh, tonight, I, well, I don't know if y'all love to go to Trader Joe's during the fall time and just partake of all of their fall offerings. But, and especially if there's something new that I haven't tried, I'm trying the spicy pumpkin samosas tonight. I'm hoping they're not too spicy. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah. And um, then I've just got some uh, vegan caramelized onion dip and crackers because uh, that seemed like a good thing to balance it out. And I am drinking oat milk because I wasn't sure how spicy the samosas were because I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to spice. <laughs> and then some water, of course. And yes, I'm also happy to be here for the end of this Rings of Power journey. I've enjoyed the time that we've gotten to talk about it. And I'm sad that it's gone too, but there'll be another season. So <laughs> yes, there better yes, be. There better yeah, well, be. Well, supposedly, right? Didn't they already like supposedly. Yeah. I mean it's Amazon, so he's paying for it. So it's gonna be right. the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for joining me. Um, real quick, we're just gonna jump into the chat. Uh Q ball, uh, evening all, Q in the house, and I ate some homemade chicken and noodle with crackers and tater tots and just drinking some apple juice right now. Well, welcome good. to you. We love, we love that you come on our journeys with us and thank you for being here. Uh, but now mentioning that tonight, what we are talking about is Rings of Power episodes seven and eight, the finale of the first season of Rings of Power, which was a whirlwind. And I think we can all agree upon that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we're gonna just jump right in because we have a lot to talk about, about this episode. So last episode, how we ended off, the mountain exploded and took out the town, the Southlands, and everybody's running, burning up and everything. And so that's where we enter. Everything's red, covered in ash. There's fire. Um, and there's just chaos everywhere. Um, pretty much just volcano exploding, destroyed the army that was in the Southlands um, that came from Numenor. Um, what did you guys think about this opening? Did you think that it played a good part in, like, transitioning the show into a little bit more darker theme what did you think jordan um so i like uh, you know the previous episodes episode six i was like i need to see the trailer and usually i don't watch the trailer on like the next episode because i'm like i just want to be surprised but after that like major cliffhanger i was like i need to watch the trailer so obviously we can see that Gal you know galadriel survived um, and, you know, the whole town is just eviscerated, right? And you're left wondering how people get out of there, right? So um, when we first got into this episode, it was very confusing. Um, you know, you kind of get immersed into the scene where you're like kind of a part of it. You don't know what's going on, right? There's all these people. Galadriel finds Theo and it's like, you stick with me, like, well, I'll help you. Um, and then we have the Queen Regent who's like trying to get people out. Um, and then we have just like utter chaos in this small town. So I think it was a good, like, I knew what it was going to be before it was kind of like at the end of this episode, like what we found out, like this land was going to be. Um, and so it was just interesting to sort of see how it came to be and why it sort of, you know, happened. So I thought it was a really good um, introduction to, sort of how the rest of the episode and the rest of episode eight sort of played out because it gets very dark very quickly. Um, and you have very few rays of hope within these two episodes. And I think for a good reason, 
Um, and so I think it was a really good, you know, introduction to the rest of the entire um, episode and episode eight. I completely agree. Uh, Julie, what are, what are your thoughts on the beginning of this, like, chaos? Yeah, no, definitely, like, well, I think I mentioned on our last episode that, like, I could feel just things getting darker, and then this was definitely, like you said, a transition into even more of that, like, okay, we're setting the tone for, like, the rest of what's going to happen now, which, which, yeah, makes sense, because, I mean, like it turns into freaking Mordor so like that's Mm -hmm. hella dark you know (laughs) like um and yeah I mean I liked it because like I and I was like kind of anxious like okay who survived like who's here and who's not um and just like you know wondering what's gonna what what they're gonna where they're gonna go from there because that's kind of like shoot like literally everybody's plans were destroyed for anything and like they kind of well, the Southlanders kind of have to just yeah rebuild and so yeah I don't know what's gonna happen I mean that that was the tone it was like what's gonna happen next oh yeah now and we we jump back into that a couple of more times but it, I felt like it was a great starter and just like oh we're we're in, we're in the mess now yeah but to lighten it up a little bit we go from them and Julie I know you love them we're gonna talk about the Harfoots okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So um, we do see that the Harfoots are on their journey and they finally make it to uh, their place, their destination, one of their stopping points so they can get their supplies and everything and rest a little bit. And they get magma balls from the volcano that just blew up. And they say that the great grandfather said that if um, that happens, a great evil's coming. That's when that happens. He mentions that. And... Um, so they, they're trying to pick up the scavenges of everything because a lot of it's burnt. And this is where my issue comes in with the Harfoots. Just to explain. Um, they asked the stranger to fix this for them because they know he has power. They ask him to fix it for them. And then the little girl almost gets hurt because she walks up a little bit. And then they turn on him and pretty much exile him from the camp because it didn't turn out the way they wanted. Um, what do you think about like this whole area and like kind of the turn that the Harfits are having with the stranger? Uh, Julie, we'll start with you on this one. Um, yeah. Ooh. Um, well, <clears throat> I know. Well, I feel like it's happened a couple of times. Like, I feel like they've been so hot and cold with the stranger, you know, like, cause he's done some things that could have almost hurt them, but then it kind of ends up saving them in the long run. And we see later on that it does end up saving them, like, because he did fix it. But, like, yeah, I think right now, because he doesn't know, like, almost the strength of his own powers, like, even he's, like, scared that he's going to hurt someone. That's why he tells, like, Nori to kind of go away, like. um, And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, like, yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing there, like, a lot of, um, like, just definitely like they like so the evil from the volcano reaches even all the way where they are you know and it's like oh okay this is gonna touch like all of the land you know like so how is each one gonna be affected and then also because we know I'm I'm actually curious because we know I mean maybe I'm getting too ahead of myself here but because we know that the hobbits descended from the Harfoots or whatever that means that somewhere along the line the Harfoots be probably became extinct i don't know so then i'm all like worried like what's gonna happen to them but um yeah it was definitely like an interesting thing like their relationship with the stranger like you know it's kind of like a love-hate relationship at first at least yeah yeah no i completely agree with you plus also like the relationship of like when they're traveling and they're like well if somebody gets left behind they're done We'll mourn right. them later, which we talked about <laughs> before. That's kind of my issue with the Harfoots because we, like you said, they're the uh, they're the ancestors of the Hobbits. So we've seen the Hobbits be different than what they are now. So I think that's what yes. the, they're aggravating for me for them. Um, Jordan, what did you think about all of this? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm kind of glad this kind of happened. I, you know, I kind of saw it coming with you know, especially with the stranger because of what happened. Um, with Nori and the whole freezing incident and then um, you know this is this was going to happen again and they are like oh like you know he can't control his power and they don't understand why and but 
you know, and so in response, they they exile him because of fear, right? Like they don't want him around. And um, what they don't realize is that he actually fixed the entire problem and gave them a bountiful full of apples and, you know, all this other wonderful things that happened to them. And um, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, later on in the episode, um, when, you know, let's, you know, when they just, when Nori decides I'm not going with you, like I, I need to find him, like I, I need to help him, um, especially after they encounter the cult of Sauron, right? Um, they, uh, they, you know, they sort of switch and then they say, yeah, he needs help. Like, I'll go with you. Um, you know, I think it, what, I don't know, like it, for me, it kind of was, I don't want to say necessary, but it, it was, uh, kind of a, it was kind of a turning point for this story for me, because I was like, you know, for the entire series, I was like, okay, when's this story going to pick up? When's this story going to pick up? Right. We have Numenor, we have Galadriel, we have, um, you know, the Southlands, we have all these things happening. Right. And we have all these theories. And then I was like, when, when is this going to be, be a thing? And I think this was the turning point, you know, for sort of like the Hardfoot story. And so I feel like it was almost necessary um, for the plot. And then it sort of just started to get better for me, at least for these lovely individuals um, from this point. Oh, I definitely agree with you on that from seeing them with this, it gave them, it gave them more character than I've seen throughout the entire rest of the season. You felt the heart, you felt the anger, you felt the greed with like, after the vegetables came back and everything, how they were just like grabbing and taking them just like, okay. So you're building this up a little bit more. I hope to see more of them second season, that building more. So we'll see. But now we're going to touch on, on some of my favorite characters and actually one of my favorite scenes in this two episodes. We're going to go to when King Durin tells Elrond and Durin that he's not going to help the elves get the mithril because, as he says, their time is done and he's just not going to help them. <laughs> um, and then we see um, Disa talking to Durin and like convincing him, like, you're going to be king one day. That's our mithril. Like... Your dad's just going to have to pretty much suck it and we're going to do it anyway. It's just like the whole moment and when Alron comes in and the just the motion that Durin has against or for him are just so touching. I loved it. Jordan, I know you, this is one of your favorite parts too. Uh, what do you think? So the entire bromance of Durin and Elrond throughout this entire series is, you know, I'm not one for like I'm not one for the whole term of like hyper masculinity and like, you know, like bromance and all that shit. But this is a very specific relationship between two friends that genuinely want to help one another out, but are torn by political circumstances from their families or from the race that they're in um, and are tied, right? Like these are two people <laughs> with really good hearts um, that want to do that. Um, I think it was, you know, and I, I think it's also, well, this, we'll talk about this in episode eight. Um, but I, I, for me, this has been one of the staples of this entire series for me is the relationship between Elrond and Doran, because they both help each other out in a way where it progresses both of their races. Um, but the people that are outside of obviously them two cannot see it besides Disa and besides, you know, like maybe some people that are connected to Elrond, right? Um, and I think it was definitely necessary. Um, you can genuinely see the heartbreak in Doran when he's like, I can't help you. And like, we're convinced that Doran is accepting the fact that Elrond's gonna die eventually, right? Or like go away forever and never return. And this hurts him to a point where he's like, I don't know what to do. And then that's when Disa's like, nah, bitch, like, it's yours. Like, you're going to take it. Fuck this fool. Like, you know, you have to, you know, do all this stuff. And then obviously we get that scene um, later on with Doran and his father um, where he is then sort of like exiled from the Royal line yeah, and actually coming up on that here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and that was so freaking heavy for me. Like I was sitting there watching it and I was like, Holy shit. Like, it's it's a father who's like 
I, I was proud of you from like the first day that, you know, you were born, but then now like you're, you're speaking against your King, but I'm also your father and I'm extremely disappointed in you. I get that aspect of it. But then also I was like rooting for Duran. I was like, fuck yeah. Like you need to, you need well, to talk even, back to him. Even when Duran was just like, he's my brother. And like, set the King yeah, off. Like, right. Okay, and the King so was good. like, how dare you blah blah and i was like you know what bro like get get with it um <laughs> but 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 i think going back to to elrond and duran i think this was probably um the writers did a really good job with these two the writers just like went for it and you kind of see sort of the humanity in both of them i know they're not human right but you kind of sort of see how they genuinely care for each other and and how Durin's family genuinely cares for Elrond, right? And how they will do anything to help him out um, in this instance. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, some of my favorite things throughout the season actually has been the Durin, Elrond, Disa scenes, just because they are so like the scene where with the whole table where he was just like, oh, these are sacred and stuff. They're just <laughs> so well written. I think the, uh, the writers were just like, we're going to give these people a lot. And because we know they can handle it. They're my favorite scenes. Uh, Joey, what did you think about this whole conversation and the heartbreak and the realization? Oh, yeah, no, I was I was heartbroken, too, because, yeah, you feel during heartbreak. But no, I agree. Like, they've been some of my favorite characters throughout this whole thing, too. I mean, obviously, yes, we said establish. I love the Harfoots, but I think up there is also Duran, Duran and Elrond because, yeah, it is. It's such a great friendship. And like, they've clearly like it stood the test of time because how many hundreds of well, I don't know how many whatever years it's been since you know Elrond came back to see him so obviously like it's been a long time and um yeah the the father thing broke my heart and I agree with what um Jordan was saying about like the father kind of goes back on what he was saying earlier about he was proud because that was such a nice moment where he like before where he said he was really proud of Duran and now this is like the opposite saying like he's not proud of him and he's disowning him basically and it's like what man come on like come on cut the guy some slack like, he's trying to help his friend and I don't know the king's just uh I guess he's just a little too proud or something and that makes me sad because I feel like I, I really liked what you said Jordan about like how the between Elrond and Durin like they've found the ways that could really benefit each other not just themselves but the whole races and they're really trying to make progress and then there's like the elders of each um race that are like no like we don't want to make this kind of progress and yeah which you know of course is always frustrating to watch because you just like want to want them to you just want everybody to love each other you know like <laughs> so yeah it was it was some good scenes those are some great actors yeah and and my girl disa like she just spewing logic for days <laughs> hey Dates. Every time Deuce is on screen, I'm just like, ooh, let's listen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She could say hello. Like, oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> like, she said exactly what needed to be said in that moment. <laughs> and that's what I think about why Deza is my favorite character. She's so grounded and mm -hmm. so, like, like, her convictions are on point and she's just like, nope, this is the right thing to do and I'm going to let you know this is the right thing to do. It's almost and like she can see what others can't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The perception is there. <laughs> I love her. I love her. I love that whole scene. Um, but we're going to jump a little bit uh, because we're going to go back to Mordor, uh, which is Mordor now. Um, and we discover that Isildur is dead which we all know that he's not because he's he dead. dead. Right. Dead. Yeah. We know, like, we know the story. Oh, <laughs> but we, at this point, do think he's dead. Um, so his father is extremely heartbroken and he has a change of mind and them being in Middle Earth at this point. Um, and we also discover that the Kryn Regent herself, when she was trying to save people who ran into that room, became blinded. So she has no idea what is going on. She has to keep asking, which I did find very sad when she was just like, just tie my horse to a tree and leave me. Like, like the people will understand, just leave me. And they're just like, no, like you were there fighting, which I give a lot to her. She's 
right in the thick of it, just being like, nope, we're going. We're going to do this. I'm going to help you get up. Let's go. Um, what were your feelings on this when we discovered that she's blind and how it may affect her future as the Queen Regent, especially which when they get back um, to Numenor and everything like that? How, how did you feel about these two and kind of the realization that their perspectives and her eyesight and his no longer wanting to be here has changed? Uh, we'll start with you, Joy. Um, well, I, yeah, that was, it's just a lot. It was, it was a lot. Like, I, I don't know that I was expecting that to happen. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause yeah, cause that for, it made for her, it made her want to fight more fiercely. She's like, oh no, we will be back. This is not finished. Like we are going to demolish this enemy. And then for, um, Elendil, like he was like, oh no, they basically, that was my last straw. They killed my son. Like I'm done. Like what? And she, he kind of thinks the queen is like a little crazy for doing that. And actually that's kind of where I was going to go with this is I think that I'm worried that people are going to start to not trust her. Um, because not only did all of this craziness happen, but now she's blind too. And I mean, like that's, it's obviously not her fault but you know how people are people are cruel and Numenorians are not nice people let me just say this is what I've decided throughout this show the Numenorians are not <laughs> most of them are not people that I would want to hang out with anyway um <laughs> so people are cruel and I'm just worried they're going to use that against her and like I don't know maybe there'll be like a mutiny of some sort but we already know that Numenor is going to fall anyway because of yeah. the, the visions Numenor and what, you know. Um, <laughs> what's that? Numenor does end up getting destroyed. Uh, right, right. So, like, I'm just wondering, like, where we are on that timeline. So, I'm like, is, like, is something going to happen to the Queen before then? Or is, I don't know. So, it'll be interesting. I would love to see, like, them go back to Middle-earth, but I think it's going to be hard for her at this point to convince them to follow her again after all of that, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan, what did you think about all of this and the Queen Regent um, saying that they will go back to Middle-earth because they are there for the fight? So I've been team Galadriel from jump, like from episode one, I'm like, whatever Galadriel says is, is law. Right. And the fact that she told, um, she told Arendir or, um, she told one of them, she said, I, she's not going to hold her promise. Like, but I, you know, and we have to prepare if that happens. And when she said that, I was like, I already knew like from, um <clears throat> from the beginning or from when the queen regent was like no we're coming back like we're fighting and then um you know uh she was talking to Galadriel and all that stuff and then uh her captain was seen crying right like because he just lost his son he's like I'm not doing like you could clearly see he's like I'm not doing this again also to the fact that um her, I, I don't know who he is, the old guy that looks like uh, oh, that Little looks like John. Like and, huh? I think he looks like a cat, like the, the yes. bad guy from like, um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. That's he looks, he looks like, <laughs> li he looks like Little John in um, the <laughs> Kevin Costner version of Robin Hood. Are we um, talking about the, the Ferrazone? Yes, yes. Oh, he right. looks like yeah. that too. And <laughs> We already know that like he's planning to just overthrow the queen and overthrow the mo the monarchy to sort of like take back Numenor to its people. And so I think that, you know, the queen regent coming back blind might be a reason for him to be like, yeah, she can't lead you. Like, so I have to be the one to do it. And now with the king dead, right? Yeah. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be crazy. And that's a freaking scene, right? Where, he's like lucid for like a good like five minutes and tells um Isidore's sister like you gotta fucking see in the Palantir right and yeah. we don't even see that scene yet right so but we do know that um Numenor does get destroyed right um and so I I think you know I knew she was blind when she was being led by um the soldier back to sort of like the horse I was like, oh shit, like she lost her vision. Like I kind of could tell. And then um, 
just the fact that there was that scene with her and the captain on the boat where I, I was like, is this like a love thing or is this just like a, is this yeah. like a, we highly respect one another. And I was kind of wondering that too. I mean, <laughs> that's what I thought too, because like Isildur and all of them, they become royalty. So did, did they just come kind of get this like love relationship when they go back to middle earth and yeah. get married and that's why he became king and everything. I don't know. I mean, like it, it was a little, <laughs> it was a little like it was a little too meat cute for me. Where I was like, huh, <clears throat> like what's going on here? So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a shocker, but also too, it was um, it was definitely revealing that trouble is coming to Numenor, and it, it you know the the calls coming from within the house, right? Um, and so <laughs> I think that we're we're gonna see that in the next season at least. Yes, I'm excited to see that vision come to reality because, like you said, the people of Numenor are kind of shit at shit people. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, really but moving no, they truly are. They they are despicable. Just because, and I watched the three minute similar similarian thing again. It's like they're mad because they can't go to the everlasting land where people live forever because they're human and they can't. So that's right. why they're mad as well. Uh, one of the things. Um, but Jordan brought this up earlier. We are going to talk about, as you well phrased this, because I was calling them something different, the cult of Saur- Sauron. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, they go and they kind of bully the Harfoots into telling him where the stranger was. Um, because they want him for their evil own doings. And they destroy the entire caravan with fire and everything, which, which is really another scene of the Harfoots that I appreciated put a fire under their butts to be like, no, he needs help. We are going yeah. to go help him. Um, so that's when Sardak and Poppy and Marigold and all of them go to go and save the stranger because they realized he did help us out. And in turn, we do have to help him out. So that was a very good and lovely moment for them. And this is where I really started to grow on me um, because they're, they're, they're growing a backbone and it's not fair that the, cult of Sauron did this um what did you guys think of that scene and how like dark it was um Julie since you love Harfoots I'm gonna start with you every time (laughs) (laughs) um I was mad I was so mad I was like oh these I do not like whoever like I didn't know who they were yet but I was like I don't like these bitches (laughs) like (laughs) they're evil they're evil looking and they're just evil and yeah I was like I was just like, I didn't know like what their powers were really. I think until they did that, I'm like, oh wow, they can just take fire and like bend it at their will. And I was like, oh crap. And then I was just like sad because I was like, they worked so hard on those little like huts and whatever. (laughs) But I mean, I will say for the Harfoots, they are a resilient bunch and you know, they didn't let that stop them. They're like, okay, we're just gonna I mean, they obviously, they had that little detour where they went to help um, the stranger. Um, And yeah, and yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe that did need to happen for them to finally see like, okay, this guy helped us and he's in trouble. Like we need to help him because there's a bigger evil out there that we need to be worried about and stuff like that, you know? Um, But yeah, after all of that happened, they just kind of went and packed this stuff up and said, all right, let's keep on moving. So I was like, respect for that (laughs) because their resilience is like but yeah no that was crazy I was like I don't know the whole scene though like where they where they were finally like let's gonna let's go help him was it was touching I was like oh like they're finally taking a liking to him (laughs) I was like good because it's probably Gandalf and he's only gonna keep helping you in the future (laughs) so (laughs) the one the one that surprised me the most was Sarnak Oh yeah. So he was like, I'm going with you guys too. And I was just like, weren't you yeah. the one against him the most? <laughs> I know. No, but it was a nice turn. It was a nice turn of like a change of heart for like all of them, especially Sadak. Yeah. Cause uh, I do, I wasn't expecting that. Like I thought it was just going to be like the family. And then he's like, no, I'll go with you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan, how did you feel about all of this with the cults and the fire and them banding together to go save the stranger? 
Yeah, I thought it was definitely a methodical play because we get introduced to them and then it's like for like two seconds and then we're like, who the fuck are you, right? Like, who are you? Why are you smelling the ground? And then all of a sudden <laughs> they they can do certain things, right? And we sort of see that, you know, especially in the, the latter episode where one of them can shapeshift and also like shapeshift fire and like use that to her advantage. One of them is really good with knives. The other one... Um, is, you know, really good at leading, who knows? But um, I, I think I think for me, yeah, this scene definitely was like, you fucking assholes, right? Like you didn't need to burn all of this, you just did. But yeah. I looked at it in a different light where they were trying to destroy what this individual was creating. Mm. Um, and in order to do that, they destroyed like all of the bounty that this person gave them. And it, 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 like, I do see, like, for sure that they were for sure bullying um, these people. But at the same time, I was like, why are they destroying everything that this person created, right? Like, are they trying to say that creation and these things are, like, a gift of the light or something that he doesn't know that he's doing? Um, and so it was really awesome to see. Um, it was really awesome to see that, you know, I thought Nori wasn't going to go at all, period. And then she put on the satchel and her mom was like, where, where are you going? And she's like, I have to go help him. Like, I have to go warn him of these people because they're going to kill him. And yeah. Nori essentially believes that this guy is ultimately good, right? Even after all the shit, right, that happened yeah. to him. Um, and then just to see that, you know, the family and then um, definitely the great grandfather who was like, all right, like, I gotta do, I gotta do my job. Like, I gotta track, I gotta do all that um, to do that. And so for me, it was definitely one of those points where I was like, I was like, yes, go. I was like, go, hurry. I was like, get to him before them and all that stuff. And then obviously, you know, they get to him kind of too late, but not too late. So, um, but it was definitely one of those things where I was like invested in, in their story. And I wanted to definitely see more and what would come out of it. I, so there was a minute, there was a minute when I was like, it's prop, maybe it is Sauron. I was like, fuck, was I wrong? And then mm -hmm. the entire time I was like, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. These bitches are wrong. And then oh, yeah. I, I felt the same way. <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> I was questioning. I was like, he can't be. He, he can't be because yeah. there's no way that Sauron would have even an inkling of good in him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, I didn't think he was Sauron. I thought he was the necromancer, maybe. Or Sauron. Yeah. I mean, he still could be Saruman, I guess, but I'm leaning towards Gandalf at this point. He's Gandalf. Oh, I'm definitely leaning towards Gandalf. Oh, no. After that whole after scene. After the no thing. Yeah, yeah. No. After the, I was like, sold. Yeah. Sold. Oh. You're hot. You're a hot Gandalf. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but they leave to go save him. The Queen Regent leaves to go back to her land to recoup and figure out what the hell's going on over there. Um, uh, Durin and everybody they're going for the mithril and he's decided to go for it got caught got yelled at everything um, but then Galadriel finds Hallbrand and she's like good you're alive let me take you to the elfin city so they can fix you and so I can get my giant army because they're coming we've all seen that they're coming a lot of us were hurt let's go so they're off on their Galatia and that was the end of episode seven, which was a lot. Um, but this next episode has even more jam-packed into it. Mm -hmm. You can imagine. So oh, yeah. going back to the Harfoots, because I just want to say the lateral thing really quick. Going back to the Harfoots, we start off with the, the coven of Sauron or whatever, um, telling him, the stranger, that he is Sauron. These are his powers, but they were going to take care of him and like, mold him into Sauron, which I believe they could have done. But then this is where the lovely, lovely Harfoots come in with their powers of like running around and being sneaky and everything like that, which I love that <laughs> they were throwing rocks and tripping and everything like that and fighting these three powerful beings. They're yeah. holding their own on that, which was lovely. Um, <laughs> and then we see the stranger finally for the first time take his goodness that um, Nori always said that he had and use it to destroy them. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that we've seen him been able to focus his power so well 
uh, for a cause that he believed in. Um, what did you yeah. think about the whole beginning of, that, of the second episode, uh, Jordan? Um, this was amazing. This was like watching the Battle of Hogwarts. This was like watching <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? Like Dumbledore versus... Um, what what's his uh what's his name? I can't Voldemort. Voldemort. No, no, no. Like yeah, that too. But like it, this was like watching the battle, right? Like oh, I just wow. I yeah, Continue. right. I can't I can't remember. Uh, okay, well it, it'll come to well, me. Like, I should know this too, so but we'll, we'll from that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, and when we talk, uh, when oh, we talk about Fantastic Beasts four, we'll bring it back. Grindelwald. 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 Um, Thank you. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. So, okay. So this was like, oh shit, like this is what's going on. And what was interesting is that um, if uh, like, obviously we're all fans, but like, it was interesting when sort of, you know, the main, like, which I want her hair, which is like shaved, but like bleached. She was like controlling him with the staff. I was like, oh, is that like a little Sarmani? Like, is that a little Sarmani mm. Two Towers-esque? Like, I was like, mm. okay. And the guy was like, you know, he was, you know, doing everything that he could to protect, um, you know, the hardfoots that were trying to, you know, trying to help him out. Um, and it was, you know, it this whole entire scene, what, I was at the edge of my seat. And then the minute he picked up and Nori gave him the staff and all of a sudden they were like, oh, this isn't, this isn't this one. It's the other one. It's the Ishtar. And I was like, I knew it. I screamed <laughs> so loud. My dad woke up from a dead sleep. Like I screamed. I was like, I fucking knew it. And then he said, he was like, I banish you. I do all this shit. And then he basically just obliterated them. And then this evil staff just disintegrated because he used it for good. Um, and then he just sort of realizes that like, this is who he is. Right. And then we find out that you know, Grandpapa Harfoot basically, you know, got stabbed and is going to die. But, you know, they like that scene, like was the beginning of the tears, the many tears of this freaking episode for me. Um, I know. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But but I think for me, it was just the realization where I was like, I knew it. I knew this is it. And and then, you know, later on in the episode when he's talking to Nori and basically talks to her much so this is why i was like these past two episodes were for the fans because you have the creation of mordor you have the establishment of gandalf right like who basically is just like which is why you hear like i i like he says those the lines along the line of um i'm always surprised by the kindness of hobbits right because he knows that these people are just kind and like he knows that the world changes because of one small individual being having the courage to stand up and like, you know, go against the evils of the world. And so um, it was just so beautiful to see that in this episode. Um, and it was just so awesome. I don't know. Like I was just fangirling and fanboying out the entire time. I was like, fuck yes. This is exactly what I was watching this for. If you haven't watched, you know, if you've watched the series, you're like, this fucking sucks. Like this episode summed it up all for you. And if you still hate the whole fucking series after this, you're dumb because it just, <laughs> it was so good. It was just so good. So I, I thought that that scene was really well done. Good. Yeah, no, I, I completely, everything you said, I am right on top of it with you. Julie, what did you think about all of this? Um. Yeah, I had a, I had a lot of similar thoughts <laughs> to you, Jordan, Um. but uh, what you're saying about the the one individual has the courage to like stand up against all of the, the evil, like that moment when sh when Nari says you're good and like he just it gets to him and he realizes like who he kind of actually is. That that moment was like the moment for me. Like the whole I was just like yes, and I was like, and that's where I was talking about before. I was like, that's where I knew like he couldn't be Sauron, like because like <laughs> even though he didn't know who he was, I think. Well, I don't know. This is what I believe. I think Sauron is just innately evil, and like I think there would still be some some pokes of evil coming out if that makes sense, like poking yeah. out of him, like even if he wasn't trying to, if it was Sauron. 
So that was the moment where I was just like, oh, and yeah, it just gave me all the feels. And yeah, and the moment where they watch the sunset together and then he's watching them kind of realizing like <laughs> this beautiful little community and relationship that they have. And I was just like, mm, all the feels, all the feels. <laughs> oh, it, it was so sad. And at, at that point, I, I really did fall in love with the grandpa, like Harfoot. Like I, I, I really appreciated who he was in his, his beliefs and everything like that, but how he was passing him on. It was just such a real moment for me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But now we are moving to the Elfin City because Hallbrand and Galadriel... Oof, yeah. This asshole. First, <laughs> first, we see Calabrimbar realizing that they didn't get the mithril. Like, they right. just don't have it. So they have this little tiny piece they have to figure out something to do with. Um, and that's when they uh, uh, see uh, Galadriel and Halbrand get back in. Uh, and Halbrand gets fixed by Alvin Magic and everything like that. And he seeks out uh, Calibrimbar in his workshop and gives him the thought, why don't you mix it with another ore mm-hmm. to try and create mm. something that's going to be powerful enough for you to use. So Calibrimbar and everybody bring it to the king and they're like, we're going to mix this with a very high metal and make a crown that's super powerful for one person. And even when they're talking and everything, Calibrimbar tells the king and these are his specific words, which I love uh, Gladriel in the back being like, ooh, what? He says <laughs> uh, to the king before the king says, no, we're all, I'm sending you all home. He says, new, uh, it's a new kind of power, not of strength, but of spirit, not of flesh, but over flesh. And that is the first real instinct that you see Gladriel being like, wait, what, what did you, who said that? And he was yeah. like one of my workers or whatever. And she was like, but was Hallbrand there? And then she starts her little investigative journey because now she has inklings Hallbrand isn't a good person or who he says uh, he is. And before I'm going to get into your conversations, we have to hydrate everybody. Hydrate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Q. We definitely need that. We're talking a lot. <laughs> uh, but um, what do you think about this, Julie? Like this whole like big scene of like, they're coming up with the crown and everything. Yeah, well, in uh, that whole moment, yeah, where she was like, not of the flesh, over flesh. And I was like, Adar said that. Adar said that. She's going to, like, figure it out. Like, something, something's going on here. Something's going on. But I still didn't put two and two together yet at that point. Like, I still wasn't like, how broad is that wrong? Like, I did not figure <laughs> it out. Like, I was thinking, like, something evil is a brewing here, though. And I was like, and then, yeah, the crown thing, obviously, like, the High King wasn't, like, a fan of it. But then when they were like, um, we're going to make something smaller, I got excited because I was like, oh, I know what that's going to be. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just so it was a good like kind of opener because it just kind of set the tone for like, ooh, there's a lot of shit that's gonna go down in this episode. <laughs> like, so yeah. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, Jordan. What did you think about this whole like changing of minds of Galadriel, who's so pointed and like I'm right, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a fan theory that was, you know, going out that Halbrand was Sauron. And I was like, I don't see it because, you know, there was a theory that, like, you know, the king that was promised in the Southlands, like, basically, we don't know who this guy is. We don't know his lineage, right? Like, we we don't know what's going on. So the minute that there was even a small inkling that she was like, I need to know his, his history. I need to know he is who he says mm-hmm. he is. I was like, oh, this bitch. So then he starts getting <laughs> he starts getting really involved in the smithing of the rings or this like the the how how can they sort of form this right and I was like he seems a little bit too interested in it and I get that he's interested in smithing but he recovered very quickly and there was no like explanation of it mm-hmm. and then the minute that Galadriel figures it out I was like yep I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, yep. Because now we know that Gandalf clearly is not Sauron. And 
but my thing is, is this guy went through an entire series, an entire sort of like journey where he didn't, he doesn't have, like, he didn't show that he has this power until Galadriel's like, I'm going to fuck you up. And then he's like, okay, here you go. Boom. Yeah. And so now, now we understand that this guy might be more powerful than he's let on. Right. Like, and maybe he was recovering obviously right from battle. Maybe he was recovering from being, you know, all that stuff. And so we haven't really seen the full potential of Halbrand, AKA Sauron. Um, I, I thought it was necessary. Um, and yeah, I was totally, I was totally like Julie when they were like, we have to make something smaller. And I was like, don't, no, don't tease me. Don't tease me. <laughs> this is what the whole series is about. I was like, don't tease me. And then so that whole sort of like moment when they're like making the three rings, I was like, awesome, amazing, beautiful, right? And obviously they don't look like, you know, the Lord of the Rings ones, but I think, you know, this is definitely um, something to be aware of because as we know within Lord of the Rings mythology, like one of them obviously goes to Galadriel, the other one goes to Elrond, um, and then the other one goes to Gandalf of the three oh, Elvish rings. Yeah. So I'm going to be really, I'm going to be invested in how Gandalf gets a hold of them, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and like, if they're just like willingly give it to, you know, the Ishtar, if he comes and, you know, um, like we've established, like, like he's established, like basically like Ishtar in your language means wise one or wizard, right? And I was like, it's Gandalf. He's the wizard. He's the gray wizard, right? Like that's how we, so um this definitely tied in and like melded together a lot of suspicions and a lot of sort of theories that we're playing on in this entire series. And I'm really happy that once the rings were made, we kind of like got a sort of, we got an established motive for, you know, what Sauron is doing. And then that final scene where he, you know, he's walking towards Mount Doom um, in Mordor um, just kind of like was like shit, like it's setting the scene for season two. So. I, I did love that last scene with Hall Brown when he comes up and it changes and it says Southlands and then changes to Mordor. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, but what I have to find funny through all of this, once the Galadriel figured out that he was Sauron, one, give it to her because I love that she he was doing that whole my thing and she was fight, keeping up with him. Like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. she's a uh, bad bitch. Exactly. Yeah, she was, and she was like, <laughs> I, I kicked him out. He's gone. Like, I loved it. Um, but I do have to find it funny because she was after Sauron and to try to get rid of evil. And then the when she time. found him and Numenor, she is the one who brought him back to all of this. So, like, like dramatic irony. Got the the call fingers, was coming from inside the house the whole time. Like, not, not pointing <laughs> fingers, Galadriel, you uh, kind of caused all this. I know. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't know though. She had no clue. Yeah, Nobody knew. He kept know. it hidden very well. But she was so determined, and it was right under her nose the whole time, which is just such a slap in the face for her. But yeah. I'm excited to see how she comes back in because you know she's pissed off. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But like you guys did say, we do see finally the creation of the three rings. Beautiful rings, by the way. Um, so these are the first three rings that are coming into play, the elfin rings. Next, we do have the dwarfin rings. I'm hoping the dwarfin rings, because I don't want to see the rings of men get made. Um, <laughs> then we have the rings of men, and then we have the one ring to rule them all. So my thought about this is, because there is the runway ring to rule them all, and they can't figure out a way to make the mithril just work on its own. Does Halbrand or Sauron figure out a way once he gets to mount doom to melt down pure mithril and that's why he can control all the others like is that a thought what do you guys think um how this ended how the season ended what are your guys thoughts feelings where do you hope the second season goes uh we'll start with you on this one julie um well yeah i want to see how the other rings are made i actually have always been fascinated by the whole like the three rings for the elves, the seven rings for the dwarves, the one ring to rule them all. And then what was the, the what was that, nine, nine for man? Nine I'm just, nine. I'm really curious how that all comes about because I don't, I'm not as familiar with like the deep lore or whatever. So like, I hope we get to see like that whole story arc. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to see like the journey with Nori and Gandalf, like, like, cause I think, 
that's going to be really fun and like it'll be an adventure and um and yeah and like I was saying before I want to see what happens to the Harfoots but I also want to see I I'm also wondering if like I wonder if the Dwarf King ever comes around and maybe like ends up sharing some of the Mithril I I don't know I mean at this point I'm thinking no but like you never know like I feel like I feel like the Mithril, I feel like that storyline isn't ended. I feel like there's something mm-hmm. going to be more with that. So, yeah. And then. Well, the elves uh, do get some. What's uh, that? Because there's the whole. The elves do get some because there's that whole Mithril, like, chain that uh, Frodo oh, right. wears through yeah, the entire. So, yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings. So. so there has to be more to that story. And obviously, we want to see more of the dwarves because we love Durin and Disa. And like, I want to see more of their relationship with Alrond. So hopefully, he'll be able to come back and um you know and they can hang some more because <laughs> i'll 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 pay money for more of that like um, <laughs> but yeah i don't know like i just i just i just want to see more like there were so many cliffhangers at the end of this season and like it's it's but it's pretty cool to see like it's sort of evolving into the lord of the rings world that we kind of all know and love from the movies like slowly you know like we're starting to see things that we recognize and i love that kind of like transition into that i think that's really cool yeah no right there with you um jordan what are your thoughts at how this ended and where do you hope it goes so one of the things I did want to point out is that when um, the king sailed up the Mithril mines, we did get a taste oh. of the Balrog. And I was screaming. I was like, yes! Because you see it in the trailers, right, of the series. Oh. And I almost forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you see it. And then, you, you know, you see the leaf that was that was cured by the Mithril, right? Because we know that that was what was going on. And then as the leaf falls, we see that there's just a torrential gargantuan amount of mithril below but is this the ore that basically uh gets the dwarves to delve too deep right like into into that and then basically they get obliterated by the balrog right um and so i'm excited to see what that is like moving forward um yeah i think i think with the forging of the rings um you know, obviously we have our first start of, you know, the sort of the ring war saga, right? Like how, how that sort of plays out. Um, I'm excited to see how the nine rings of men are made because they all turn into ring wraiths after everything. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, so like, I want to know who they are and like how they get established, right? Like what's going on with that? Um, I want to know what dwarves, right, are responsible for their rings um and how they dig too deep and like basically who gets destroyed is it doran that basically like destroys you know um the the dwarven kingdom right like who you know who knows um i think i have been waiting this entire season to see galadriel come into her like powerful self where she can banish sauron to mordor again um like where she's just fucking at you know at 5,000, right? Like at Dragon Ball Z, I'm at 5,000. Um, and I I can't wait to see that transition for her. Um, I also just can't wait to see how, you know, Numenor falls, right? Like, and to see how, you know, everything else plays out in there. So I think it ended pretty well. I think it ended to at a point where it, it was very nostalgic for me because it's almost like how the Lord of the Rings movies ended, where especially like the two towers where it was like singing the the, yeah. the ring song. And then yes. this last episode, it sang the entire like lore of like the rings. And I was like, this reminds me of Lord of the Rings. And so I feel like it was just, it was beautiful. And I feel like, you know, it ended the way that it should have. Like it ended like a Lord of the Rings movie. It ended just like we needed it to. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what's I going I agree up. with that. And also just shouting out the music of this whole series because it has been perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. I I agree. The song gave me chills. I was like, oh, this is a perfect way to end it. Like see, okay. So I enjoy I enjoyed the music throughout the entire series as well. That song, however much I liked what it was talking about, I feel like it could have been composed a different way. Oh really? yeah, I felt like they could have changed some things and made it like lighter and more 
like epic. Not it, it's it kind of sounded like somebody did it on like a uh, uh, garage band for me. It didn't sound. <laughs> oh, see, I, it, I don't I don't know that I feel that way, but <laughs> it ended. <laughs> it ended. I like, very... I like the song, but like I felt like it just wasn't as produced as it should have been. So uh, people in the audience can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, that was the same song that ended the two towers, Um, but it was sung by Bjork. um, In Actually, maybe that's why I don't like it. Yeah. And so, (laughs) and so if you, if you go to, I think it's, I think it's the two towers. If you go to the end of the movie and you watch the credits, it starts out that way. And so Mm -hmm. the reason why I was like, this is so nostalgic is because that's how Two Towers sort of ended. Um, but the song is different um, in a way where it's like, okay, like Bjork singing it, fine, whatever. But um, this one, I was just like, whole, like I was already on a high, right? Like I'm already on a high. Gandalf's established. We're already established the rings. We're already, and I was like, oh my God, this ended like like a movie. And so, and, and, and to be fair, every episode in the Rings of Power is a small movie. It's like a, yeah. Yeah. a small, you know, so... so. Um, my hopes for the next season now that we have to wait we don't know how long but we have to wait for the next season Right. Um, my hope for this I want I'm really intrigued to see because um, it correct me if I'm wrong doesn't Galadriel get like excommunicated from everybody and that's why she's in that part of the woods that she's in when uh, Frodo meets her and everything like that because she's just kind of, they're like you fucked up go isn't that why she's there I don't know if I know so so there's there's two elvish kingdoms when we come to the fellowship of the ring mm-hmm. um or in the hobbit one of them is lothlorien uh-huh. um and then the other one is where the other elvish guy with where he like he basically fought um uh Smaug and like he like uses illusion illusory, illusory magic to uh look normal and that's legolas's dad yeah. Um, so there's two kingdoms. We don't visit Galadriel's kingdom until Fellowship of the Ring. The first one we visit in The Hobbit, or they visit in The Hobbit. Um, but Galadriel is in it because she is like the queen or like the 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 woman of the woods. Um, and so like in, in that time, the, the Elvish kingdom that's established in the Rings of Power doesn't exist anymore because right. they basically get obliterated in the... the um, the the war of the rings and so once that's established these two split up um oh, and 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 they they become two separate like kingdoms within two separate woods okay so i'm excited to see that <laughs> um yeah. but i'm also excited to see like the building of mordor and like the black wall and everything like that and i'm, I'm excited to see a little bit more of what we've come to know yeah get created um, and that that's where my excitement is. But we have reached the end of the season. <laughs> I enjoyed having you guys. I mean, Jordan, you were here for most of the season. I started off, you took over, and now we're coming back around. Um, so <laughs> I much appreciate you guys being on here today. Um, uh, but that's all we have time for today. Uh, shout out to my guests again. Jordan, go ahead and let people out there know where uh, they can find you on socials or life or anything. <laughs> and all the other stuff um so i am on instagram it's city of stars 13 um i play a lot of video games on xbox this is a new one i haven't said it uh but my my gamer tag is expecto balonum uh capital e <laughs> and then expecto um is a zero um and then balonum is capitalized with a b um find me on there add me i play overwatch um i overwatch 2 now um, and I play Dead by Daylight and a lot of other uh, Apex multiplayer games. So add me. Let's be friends. Let's chat. Let's have a good time. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. And then, Jolie, go ahead and let the folks out there know where they can find you. Uh, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at jraylin. And I am also on Twitter, which I am trying to be a little bit more active on at Silent Caffeine. And I forgot to mention last time I have a TikTok too at J Ray Lady. <laughs> so <laughs> it's J R A E, that's my middle name, and then Lady. Yeah, because, you know, why not? <laughs> oh, the kids are doing it. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, it's true. Not just kids. There's quite a variety on TikTok these days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. And thank you for 
both of you for coming on with me for this journey. But um, for everybody out there, you can listen to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, all of our platforms, really, um, at NomTalk Network. And stay tuned for our next show, which is tomorrow. They are going to be reviewing the new Hellraiser uh, that just aired on Hulu. So that's very exciting. But until then, I'm your host, Eric Ramirez. You can find me at Heartless7 on all socials, TikTok, gaming systems, everything. But until next time, have a namorific day.